0: Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the word. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about how he is the upgrade. And the last few weeks we have uh, kind of spun off of our series and begin to talk about living with the upgrade. Pastor Steve did a phenomenal job last Sunday talking about our men. If you if you missed that service, uh, please watch it on our YouTube channel. Uh, it was an amazing, one of the best uh, men's uh, Father's Day message I've heard. It was just exciting and so good, so rich. But his the whole point of that is when you have the Holy Spirit come into your life, the Holy Spirit. Um, he affects every area of your life, right? And it's not just a church thing, right? And so in Ephesians chapter 5, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that verse that's there. That says, um, verse 18, do not be drunk with wine in which is dispensation or what will ruin your life. Right? right? But, here's the instead way of life, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Comma, everybody say Comma. A lot of churches, they stop right there, and we just run with that one little statement. And that is good. That's true. But there's a comma there. Paul is continuing with the the thought of what happens when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? And he goes right into relationships, how you talk to one another. You see that? And then all of a sudden, he starts talking about submitting to one another. And then he goes right into wives and husbands, and then he goes into children. And then he goes into your workplace. And then he goes into spiritual warfare, chapter 6. It's all connected to being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you have the Holy Spirit come into your life and you really get serious with God. And you're like, man, I'm not playing around. God come into my life, into every area of my life. And he starts to fill you with this Holy Spirit. You get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It will change every area of your life because it changes you. Absolutely. And so this next piece is about husbands and wives. Um, and so instead of me talk to you about it, I thought it would be appropriate if I had my wife up here. So that's why Melinda is up here and she's gonna help us. So we're gonna try to get through this. Uh, we're not gonna try, we're gonna just really help some folks. Every time we've ministered together, people have been so kind and said, it's, it's uh, been a blessing to you. So that's what we're praying for uh, even right now. And the title of this is How to Upgrade Your Marriage. How to up, or Upgrade Your Marriage. So that's what uh, we're going to talk about. And if you don't know a little about our life and our story, <laughs> uh, we just celebrated last uh, Sunday was 29 years of marriage. Amen. <laughs> so 29 years and we dated for two and a half years. So we've been together for 30 plus years. Yeah. And uh, we were real, real young when we got married. I tell people that, you know, and then I tell them I got two adult children. They're like, man, what did you, when did you have kids? When you were like 12? <laughs> no, I noticed they don't say that no more to me. So I don't know, man. It's <laughs> they're like, oh, okay. I thought you were a grandpa. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so that's what happened. And so we got married in 92. Uh, I said that I would never get married. I would never settle down. I would never have a family. I would, that was just me. I graduated high school in 91. I got married in 92. Come on, somebody, man. When you find a good thing, he that finds a wife findeth a good thing. And you better marry her quick. Amen. No, uh, that's, uh, you need to pursue that person and, and follow them if that's the right one. And we're going to talk about that. So anyway, so we got married very young. We were married in 92. I didn't get saved until 97. She got saved in 98. So we lived five years of our marriage without the upgrade. We lived five years of our marriage like everybody else was living their marriage. And let me just tell you, it was it was a nightmare. It, it was a train wreck. We had our good moments, um, but we had a, our tough moments yeah. and a lot of tough moments.
1: Yeah, and I think j- just to kind of rewind just a little bit, I think our biggest issue, if I can pl- make it plain today, um, one of our biggest issues was in the very beginning, uh, we were not serving the Lord. So you're looking at seven years of a relationship that was not serving God in the beginning. And our relationship was built on, let's just say the physical. So we didn't take the time to get to know each other and understand each other because it was blurred by the physical. That's why it's so important in the beginning of a relationship. That's why we say don't have the physical outside of marriage. Because it blurs those lines, and you don't really get to know that person. I didn't get to know him because everything was on a physical basis. That was kind of where our mind was, young and dumb. And I don't think our problems were from getting married young. I think that was the least of our issues. Number one, we didn't have Christ in our marriage. And two, we built it on the physical. Amen? And,
0: amen. That's, that's, that's why she's up here. Amen. You see? And... Um, That's absolutely true. So I wanna just start off by saying that according to the Bible, marriage, it's it's supposed to be a reflection of Christ and the church. That's right here in Ephesians. Paul begins to make this parallel between a husband and wife and Christ and the church. In other words, when people look at a healthy marriage, they're supposed to be attracted to that and want that. Just like when they look at a healthy church, Absolutely. they want that be a part of that healthy church, not a dysfunctional church. And not everybody's perfect in a church. And I want imperfect people to come to my church. Let me just say that. So if people got a problem with imperfect people, you're at the wrong church. Amen? And as my dad said, if you are perfect, then don't come to this church because you'll mess it up for all of us. Amen because none of us are perfect. This is a place where imperfect come, people come to encounter a perfect God and then are transformed by the power of God. But when it is a healthy ministry, you're able to see the imperfections, but yet you're able to see the presence of God. You're, able, you're attracted to the, what God is doing in that ministry. Same way with the marriage, so that's why Paul begins to make these analogies and metaphors with Christ in the church. It's it's supposed to rep- the world's Supposed to look at the a, a Christian couple and say, "Hey, man, I want what you have. I, I I want what you have. How did you get where you are? And and I want I want some of that. And so, that's number one. As you go, in look at marriage, you begin you begin to look at that. So, uh, we just got three things we want to try to get to uh, this morning that the Holy Spirit really worked in our lives and we made those changes. So as we, as she was saying, we did, our marriage was up and down. Um, we were not in a good place and we just were just at each other. We a
1: hot mess. It, it
0: was, I mean, we learned how to pretend and work it out, man. We just, uh, it, it was, well, I'm gonna get into some of the bad stuff as I go in the message. But when I got saved in 1997, um, I got saved first and I started to come to church and a pastor talked about marriage uh, from time to time, just like we do here. Uh, but I began to have to take the initiative myself and dive into the scriptures and find out what does the Bible say about a husband. And this was the scripture that I come across. And by the very, one of the very first things that God dealt with me, and we want to talk about it, is he dealt with me about upgrading my priorities. Mm. About upgrading my priorities. This was probably one of the biggest problems. These are the, like the three big, Problems. We don't have time to get into a lot of stuff and unpack everything, but we want to. We got together. We said, "What can we say that really helped us the most?" And hopefully, it will help some people uh, here today. No matter where, how long you've been married uh, for, and if you're single, let me tell you something. You can also learn from our mistakes, and you can also be looking and, and uh, look at the Word of God and preparing yourself uh, for that other significant. Other. So, upgrade your priorities. Christ must be the center, now I, we usually say of your marriage. I'm gonna change that. Christ needs to be the center of your life, Absolutely. personally. Absolutely. We always say, get Christ in the center of your marriage. Yeah, but let me back up. Christ needs to be in the center of your personal life. Absolutely. He needs to be, in, because if, if you don't have Christ as the same priority in your life, it's gonna cause division in your life. If you both don't have Christ in your life, man, you're gonna get in trouble. It's going, to, you're going, it's going to cause division, division on how you spend your money, uh, division on how you spend your Sundays, division on how you raise your kids, division on just about anything else. If you don't uh, have those uh, priorities of Christ being in the center of your life. And if you're single here today, listen, you want to look for a man or a woman that has already Christ in the center of their life. Absolutely. Um, and so let me say this. Marriage is not the mission, but becoming like Christ is. Yes. That, that is that, that's huge. I'm going to spend some things today that maybe you haven't heard this way. But mar- it's not, the goal isn't to have a healthy marriage, and marriage isn't the mission. The, the mission that you have is to become like Christ. Because as you become like Christ, your marriage improves. Your marriage becomes um, healthy. Can I jump in real yes.
1: quick? Yes, go. I think um, a big thing. We had a lot of issues in the beginning of our marriage because my husband did not have his priorities lined up. What? (laughs) But that doesn't mean that I was innocent either. And in the very beginning, after I had given my heart to the Lord and I started really reflecting on myself, and I came across Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. I had to crucify my flesh in order to be in a relationship, in a marriage, in a Christ-centered marriage. What? Because I know once the Holy Spirit started to show me, he may not have had his priorities straight, but I also wasn't easy to live with.
0: You know, I, And that is total opposite because the world, I mean, the whole reason why you get, you get married is to be satisfied and to be happy. Yeah. Um, I'm, that's, are, you, are you finished? Because I, I don't want you to finish nope, what you're, you're saying. Um, right, so that's what God began to deal with her about her priorities as her needing to die to herself. And let me just say what God, let me, let me introduce to you the triangle. Everybody say the triangle. the triangle. This is a triangle. You might have seen it before, but I, I, wanna, I use this a lot in premarital counseling and, or, or marriage counseling. And it really helps people. So what I mean about you pursuing God for yourself, there's a triangle with God at the top, husband and wife at the bottom. And listen, as you pursue God, not as a marriage, not your marriage pursuing God, you as an individual begin to pursue God. If he pursues God as well, you both are pursuing God. But look what happens. You start drawing closer to one another as you get to the top. So I'm telling you, it goes back to your own individual relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, what I ask people at premarital counseling before they get married, I, you know, they always, everybody say when they come talk to pastor. <laughs> so I say, how, how often do you talk about spiritual things? How often do you talk about spiritual things? How important is church attendance? How important is church involvement? How important is putting God first in your finances? How important is raising your kids in the faith of Christianity? How how much do you talk about spiritual things? Do you talk about politics all the time? Do you talk about cultural issues all the time? Are you just obsessed? Are you out of balance in these areas? Listen, and it's okay to talk about these things in that's your true. life. But a person that is centered, has Christ-centered, you will talk about politics. You'll talk about culture, but you'll bring it right back to the, to God and Scripture. And what does God say about it? And you move forward. That's that's a good sign of a person that, that has uh, that. So you're seeking the Lord as you're in that triangle, you're going up. So let me say this. You, if you're single especially, you don't look to marry your soulmate. Focus on becoming the soulmate. Amen. Amen. And if you're married already and maybe you're newlyweds or you're having some issues, listen, you start thinking, well, maybe I didn't marry the right person. Maybe I didn't listen. You're already in covenant, number one. You done covenant before Almighty God. Amen. To death do us part. I say it. I tie the knot tight if I marry you. So amen. We, we say those vows. Now you got to learn to work it out, and God's grace is there, and he's there to help you. But you focus on you, on becoming that soulmate. And you do that by, by seeking God, reading the word of God, aligning yourself with Scripture, the roles that a husband plays, talking to men, and, and wives will do the same. Matthew 6, what does it say? Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added to you, even your marriage. And when Jesus said this scripture, he just taught about life. He talked about paying bills. He talked about clothes on your back. He talked about your children. And he ended all of that by saying, if you will seek first God, if you put God number one in your life, he's going to take care of everything else, including your marriage. But God dealt with her about dying to herself. What God dealt with me is when I read, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. Have you really looked at that scripture, guys? That's deep. That's deep, man. That's, um, that was new to me because I was all about a selfish love, and we have that in our culture today. You only marry someone because they're going to make you happy, Right. right? And we all, you see scripture or you'll see pictures on Facebook. I, I want to give a shout out to this person, and it's always because it's something they've done for me. It's because of the way they make, they make me feel, it's because of what they've done for me. And I, I'm not saying that's wrong. You need to give shout outs and encouragement to people that has blessed you. But that is not the only reason. Jesus did not get anything out of the deal for coming to earth and giving himself for you and me. Absolutely. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus got nothing out of dying on the cross for you and me. He got nothing out of it. He's already the son of God. He gave himself 100% for our benefit. And God began to say, Eddie, you do everything because your intention is to get something from her or it's only because of something she has done. What about loving her the way I loved you because you don't deserve my love. You don't deserve what I've... Husband, love your wives. That to me... We're going to talk about the submissive thing here in a minute. And everybody loves that scripture in in Ephesians. Wives need to submit. But I've noticed that if husbands love their wives like this, wives have no problem with the submissive thing. And that marriage begins, begins to really hum. I mean, we even got songs out. You know, when God made you, he was thinking of me. What a narcissistic song that is. Have you ever heard that? The whole reason why you exist is for me. Some of you got it on your playlist, and that's your favorite song, and I, you're mad at me. No, no, listen. I, I get it. God made you for me. We're, we're, we're soulmates. I get the romance side of that song. But listen to some of our songs and the way we say things. It's, it's what have you done for me? That's why I love you. I love you because God loves us in spite of, not because of. God loves us in spite of your imperfections. God loves you in spite of that nasty attitude. God loves us in spite of our flesh and our sins and our problems and our doubts and unbelief. So much that he was willing to die for us. And that convicted me when, when I was looking at, because some of you are saying, as soon as I said, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, you was like, well, she don't deserve my love. And I don't deserve Christ's love. But Paul is writing to a culture. I wish I had time to break down why he is so direct about, about Ephesians here because Ephesians and the culture was, was, was a very different culture than you may think. That's why he addresses women preachers in Timothy is because of the whole women. Uh, Ephesians was the only ancient world that had a female mayor. They all worshiped the goddess Diana. They were very strong women, they were, and it was just a very um, unequal... Landscape there. I think there's a
1: difference between strong and controlling. Yeah. That's two different things.
0: And the women were. They were very controlling and they were in, in demand. And so, and husbands, they didn't really love their wives too much. There were some, I'm sure there were some, there were some romantic types. There's always some. Amen. And that's totally fine. But people got married in the Bible days for uh, financial arrangements, for other reasons. And so, for when Paul said, Men, you need to love that wife and love her like Christ loved you. That was that was like bombshell. That was big. And so as I begin to go up that side of the triangle, God began to work that work that in me. And and it's not easy. Listen, marriage is the most wonderful gift God's ever given to a couple, but it's the hardest gift he's ever given to a couple. Did you catch that? Because marriage is supposed to be like husband and wife and Christ in the church. It's all spiritual. But let me tell you, marriage is also. About changing the oil, doing laundry, doing dishes, helping each other when they're sick,
1: being in a bad mood, coming home grouchy—that's
0: you're still married. House a mess, dishes,
1: you're, sink full of dishes.
0: Come on now, that's still that's still married, and that's still a part of it. And it's so it, it's hard, and, and you gotta you gotta work out of there. So that's that's kind of like what we want to hit on on the on the priorities. That,
1: Just really quick, I wanted to I had wrote down in here. I, I I don't want anyone to feel as if their marriage is supposed to be perfect. Okay, a marriage is not supposed to be perfect, but a marriage is supposed to have harmony. You are supposed to work together. Like if you think of a symphony and all of the instruments that are playing together, if they're all reading the same exact music, they are all playing the same exact thing, which sounds beautiful. And that's what a marriage is supposed to be, is y'all are supposed to be on the same page. And it's supposed to be harmonious. And I looked up the word harmony and it simply means agreement, a constant, pleasing arrangement. Harmony. That's what you're looking for in your marriage. Not to where I, we got to be perfect. Because uh, sometimes what happens is you try to be perfect on the outside, but once the front door closes, there's utter chaos on the inside. That's not what you're looking for. You're looking for harmony in and out of the home. Amen?
0: Amen. That's what the whole scripture is about. Don't be unequally yoked. Because Paul says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? He's not being mean and he's like, oh man, you know, he's not wanting us to date anybody unless they're like... No, no, he's telling you it's not going to work. If you get unequally yoked with somebody that is not having Christ as a priority, it ain't going to work in your marriage. And I've preached this before. I used like a hatchet and a block of wood to illustrate this. And as the hatchet hits that wood... What happens is it does damage to the wood and it dulls the blade. If you're in a relationship and you are iron, you are that hatchet, you're going to be, your Christianity is going to be bringing division and your Christian priorities and values is going to be damaging to him or her and they're going to dull your blade. Amen. But if you get two pieces of iron and they hit each other, the scripture says iron sharpens iron. You talk about spiritual things. You talk about, Pastor, the message. You talk about your life group. You talk about the, the word of God. Well, Pastor, you know, man, that message really did this to me. Or, man, Pastor was off today. He must not have had his coffee. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you talk about whatever. But as you talk about God in your relationship, you start sharpening. And you start going, hey, man, this is, God's dealing with me on this. And then you start having them deeper levels and you're connected in the level that the world can't connect. And that's your spirit, not your soul, not your flesh. And that's where everybody else in the world connects on how you look and how you make me feel. That spirit goes beyond how you feel. That spirit is where your fight comes from. That spirit is where who your real identity comes from. And that is only found when you got Christ in your life. Go ahead, give God some praise for that because that's really good. Okay another thing on priorities, and then we got to go, is this. I think it's really important to say this, that this is the priority in the scripture when it comes to family. God, your spouse, and then your children. I I just want to hit this because this has been coming a little bit out of, these lines have become blurred in our culture today, in this generation. Uh, Love your kids, absolutely, but man, kids, especially if it's your first baby or whatever, I know kids, kids today sometimes seem to find their place to almost like On the, uh, as an idol, if I can say it like that. They, I mean, it is like the kids running the show. I mean, everybody, if Joey is not wanting to go, we ain't going to the beach, okay? If, if, if little Susie don't want to eat her food, I mean, we all, she's got to cook a whole new meal. Now, listen, you have to work out all of that, but I'm, I'm saying in your, in your priorities in scripture on your, on your affection and on your priorities is this, is God and then your spouse and then your children. Um, I think
1: because the big thing is, is a lot of time the children will come between a husband and wife. Sometimes the 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 wife will be defending the child, or the husband will de- be defending the child, which divides the husband and wife. Yeah. When all all the whole entire time, it should have been you two agreeing on what is going to happen with such and such child if they did this or they did that, and so that's why it's so important to make sure again you're on the same page when. It, when a husband
0: and wife have a healthy bond, it benefits the children. Absolutely. When you're a divided front, kids are the first to know.
1: Absolutely.
0: And they're going to go, oh, mama said no, but daddy will say yeah. yeah. Daddy say yo, oh. and the next thing you know, they're starting to. And then if you guys don't learn, if husband and wife don't learn to keep that uh, as a bond and communicate to your kids. My dad used to do this. when I, w- I had a really smart mouth, and my, mom would, my mom would say, I'm going to smack you for that sassin. I'm going to smack you for that sassin. I don't even know what sassin really is, but, man, it was bad. And, mama, and, and one time, uh, you know, I got into it. I always, you know, you know, just being rebellious. And my daddy said to us boys, he said, listen, your boys are disrespecting your, your mama, but that's your mama, but she's my woman. That's my woman. That's my girl. He communicated to us. And I never even saw mama as daddy's girl. I mean, it was like, ugh, wait a minute. <laughs> Mama was just mama. And, 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 and no, no, daddy said, no, that's not the way it is. She is my woman. And we begin to communicate that to our girls as they grew up. Is, Listen, you know, before y'all came, we were together. And, I'm not
1: she or her.
0: Right. She's Mom. not the maid. She's not the one that does this dishes. Woo, someone's feeling this today. She is the, the jewel of the home, actually. She is, the, you know, and, and so I say that people always say this in the world, happy wife, happy life. I hate that. I hate that too. Happy spouse, happy house. Because you're not. I sit down with so many men in marriage counseling, and when the door's shut and it's one-on-one, a lot of us men they won't admit it to you, but a lot of men are not happy where they are, and this can be a, a you know it's something trivial in the beginning, but if it's all love and affection for one person. In your home, you're going to be out of balance, and it's going to be problematic. My number one job as a husband is to meet this woman's need. Her number one job is to meet my need. And if we're both doing and working at it, both our needs are met, and the children have a full-functioning parent united front that is just loving them and able to lead them and give them everything. But if we got it wrong, everybody's got it wrong.
1: And I always say we have one shot to raise our kids. Which is 100% true. You have one shot to raise your kids. Do it right the first time. But those kids grow, are grown, they move on, it's mom and dad. So what happens if this whole union is out of order, once the kids move on and they have their own lives, we either bill in their business or this gets divorced. And that's why it's so important to remember that. You got one chance, one season with your children, but you also... Need to keep this strong.
0: Yeah, and she's just—you know—I I didn't know you were going to say that, but I'll just say this: she's practicing what she's preaching. I'll just tell you, bring on my wife for a minute. She's always wanted to go to college and go to school, and but when our girls, because our life because of me was so out of rat, order, uh, by the time I got my life around and we it was focusing on raising the kids, our girls graduated high school, they went to college, and they graduated college. Melinda went back and she got her degree. She just graduated with her degree in counseling. Amen. But so don't give up on your dreams mom and dad you never too when she was getting her degree we saw some grandparents walking across that stage getting their sure getting enough. their degree and i'm just and kudos to them man and Absolutely. but the point was this is we she decided to stay home uh she worked out of the house as well she did work part time when she could but she focused on raising the kids being that nurturer at home i focused on that as well and she even put her career and everything on uh, I mean, and that's big. You've got to work that out in your own walk with the Lord, but I'm just telling you that that it works. Uh, one of the best ways, I just wanted to say this before we move on, is Craig Groeschel. He's an awesome man of God I love listening to. He's an awesome leader. He's a, that's his thing is leadership. He pastors the largest church in North America. Uh, he's a younger guy. He's got five children, and he really drives this point home. And he says, I communicated to my kids when I walked in the door, all five of them would come to me or, or the ones that were home, and they would say, They would try to get my love and my affection, and he would go through the house, and he would say, no, Mama gets the first kiss. Mama gets the first kiss, you know, and he would go over there with the kids hanging on his back, and he would always make sure he kissed Mama first. He said, that just communicated to the kids, I love you children, but Mama is to be cherished in our home. She's she's our first love. And he said, now that his children are older, they caught that. And, and, um, that, that is just, I think it's, it's, it's just so, so important. You know, the second peak of divorce and marriages, first one is within the first first five years. The second one is 20 to 25 years. What happens 20 to 25 years after you've been married? Empty nesters. And what always happens is during that time, the kids are, out, you're, you're out of balance with your priorities. I'm not being mean. I'm just trying to reveal some things today. Hopefully you can correct some of this and, they end up the kids move on mom and dad look at each other and you ever you ever heard this we've grown apart and this is exactly the problem that it creates if mom and dad don't stay united i know you got to work mad hours dad or mom or whatever but you've got to continue to date your wife you got to continue to pursue them lean into them and uh, the longer you've been married you got to be it's 29 years okay and um so just about every, all the tricks I've ever tried, I've done used them five, six, seven times, and uh, so. But and I here, still love them. Here's the thing: people change. Your marriage changes, and you got to learn to adjust with your marriages. She's not the same woman I married 29 years ago. You know what I'm saying? I could just pop in a mixtape go for a ride in my Mustang, hit Taco Bell on and 4th Street, and go down to Bishop Park and sit there, and man, God is good, you know. Put some Barry White in that mixtape. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway, and, it was, and that was it. That was it. You know, um, still might do that. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Anyway, but um, after a while, she's like, I, can't, I don't want Taco Bell. You know what I'm saying? Don't take me to a restaurant with the menus up on the ceiling, okay? I don't want that. And, and, and so that's cool when you're dating, but you've been married for a while. You gotta learn to be grave. So you know what? That you gotta be intentional, and you gotta just lean into your wife a little bit more. So priorities, man, husband and wife.
1: Just quickly uh, with that, I'm just throwing this in. Priorities is you plan date nights for your spouse. I'm not saying once a week, at least once a month you're planning a date night, but make sure that each of you plans it. You take turns planning it. So it's it doesn't all fall on the husband to make sure he plans his big old romantic thing for you. And it doesn't all fall on the wife. Make sure that you plan date nights and you take turns planning them. And women don't put this high expectation on you. This isn't the notebook. I mean, most men are not romantic. They don't mean it. They're just not. So don't put this high expectation that you're going to go out on a yacht uh, once a month. No. Just be happy that he took the time to plan something for you. And men, take your wife into consideration when you plan. Don't plan something for yourself. Plan something that she would like, okay? That was free.
0: (laughs) So, so hold on. What you saying? Are you trying to say something? No. Uh, okay, no. Uh, Thank for what it's No, right. it's, uh, it's good. And, and let me just say this. Wives, when your husband plans a deal, you know, plans a date night, um, support it. Uh, And that's kind of going into our next point about being a man of the home, the the leader. Uh, Part of letting your husband be the leader is let him fail sometimes even. It's okay. Because if not, what I see a lot of happens is women, especially if you have an alpha female. um, You're married to. uh, I'm alpha. uh, She's an alpha female. Hey, and, And I was attracted to that. And let me come back to that. Hopefully, don't let me forget that because that's a good point. I will let you but forget sometimes, that. when if you have a husband that may not be uh, extrovert or someone we would consider an alpha male, we do step out of our comfort zone and, and they plan things. And if it fails, women sometimes are tempted to be uh, correct and be his savior. And what that ends up being communicated is like a mother. And so what happens is now you have more of a child than a spouse. And he will just don't know how to handle that and respond, so he just begins to shut down. And it will take your marriage in another direction. You will get over in the weeds and uh, don't understand why. And if one in the marriage is always saying, I don't know what happened, I don't understand why, but the other one isn't saying that same thing, then there's something that (laughs) would happen, probably with you, uh, and they just sometimes don't know how to say it or or don't want to make it worse. But um, meditate on that and let God give you give you some, uh, some wisdom on that. So let us fail. Be like, baby, eat for effort. I mean, I'm saying, I mean, I can't eat nothing on this plate because I'm allergic to it, but hey, you know what? You, try? you cook for three hours, and we're about to order some pizza, but I tell you what, baby, you did good. Or take a pill and eat it anyway. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> I Do whatever you got to do, but support each other. That is just so important. And we're going to move into number two, and that's upgrade your communication. This was the second thing that I had all wrong. And this is one of the three big events, uh, causes to um, divorce actually. Number one is unmet expectations would be like the heading of causes for divorce. And then the three is financially, communication and sexual problems, problems in the bedroom. These three are the main um, reasons why people do get divorced if they're not in a healthy place. We don't have time to unpack all of them. Uh, today, but we will hit communication because it's something that I had wrong. And again, this is ab- about us testifying about our personal life, and um, we—I uh, really had to get get this right. So let's throw this out there. If you haven't heard, there's an awesome book out called *The Five Love Languages* by Gary Chapman. I mean, we recommend this. this is out This is one of the first. I had All to read time. this to get my my second level of credentials for counseling, and, and um, I'm I'm not a book romantic kind of guy. Just not me. That's fine if you are, and I was like, okay, what's this all? But I tell you what, this is one of the best books I've ever read on how to understand your spouse. It basically says everybody has a, a primary love language, a way that you respond when you're talked to. It's acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch, and gifts, or acts of service, or something. It's Look gifts it up. and
1: token of affection.
0: There's a, there's a test that you take. And you take it, and your spouse takes it. How many have it, taken that? How many has taken Oh, yeah. All see right. what I'm saying? Amen. How many would say it's working, and it's helped me? Amen. Absolutely. Amen. The rest of you, look around. Uh, and those of you that say it, it's not working, go back to it. Because a lot of times you may read it and be like, yeah, that's cool. Got to do it. No, no, no. There's something on that. and, and so, I know you
1: could take the test online, um, but I yeah. do recommend getting the book. Because it cru- helps explain a little
0: more. It's crucial. Like, I was the flower guy. I've always, you know, my mom, my aunts, growing up, even walking home from school, I would, I was a kid that would pull flowers out of your front yard and take it to my mom or my Which aunt. Which is sweet. I did. I just did, and I didn't even think that was wrong because I had a good intention. I'd buy bubble gum for my aunt Kay. I, I was—I would always give people, you know, women especially. I was just that kind of kid, a little weird, but anyway, I don't know. I just love that. So I got married, and I'm bringing her flowers, and she's like, "Yeah, they look good, but uh, we got to talk about this or whatever." And and I realized that wasn't her love language. Her love language was actually quality time, and uh, my my love language was was different than what I thought it was. I thought it was, you know, all this deep stuff. And Anyway, so we'll go on. I realize quality time. She just wants me to spend some time with her. And uh, a lot of women have that, but a lot of women do like that. You don't stop doing the other, by the way. Those things are really good, too, but a primary way helped her to connect. The reason why I brought up communication is because when I looked into the Word of God, uh, there's two primary major ways of communication uh, in Ephesians 5, one for men, one for women. Men's main primary way of communicating to us is through respect and honor. That's the way you're wired as a man. Women also need respect. I understand that, but listen, women, your man needs respect and honor from you. Please get that. They get it at work. That's okay when I have a good idea at work. And sometimes that's why men work so much at work because they're getting some of that respect and honor. And then they come home and they feel like, well, I'm not getting respected and honored at home. And, um, and it can really be problematic. And I'm not saying there, – there's where the whole submissive thing comes in, okay, which, by the way, doesn't mean that a woman is a second-class citizen and that a woman is, uh, is to follow behind a man and the man makes every decision known to man in the family. Uh, that's not what it is. Can I touch on that? Yes, you can. Please do.
1: Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. All right, men, how did you interpret that scripture?
0: Woman? <laughs> Some of you are like elbowing right now. Did you hear what he said?
1: Now, let me ask all the ladies in the house, how did that make you feel? Did you say, hold up?
0: Yeah.
1: Then right there, we need to check ourselves, honestly, because that this is uh, the word submit in the scripture means to voluntarily put yourself in the role of submission. You're voluntarily putting yourself in the role of submission. So you're saying, honey, I married you, I trust you, and I will trust you to lead this home. And I will follow you and I will submit to your leadership and say, let's go forward. But a marriage cannot go forward if a woman is constantly bucking up against anything that her husband tries to do. In your mind, you say, when we say alpha male or alpha female, Um, And I say it's a strong female. Sometimes we can get over into the strong controlling female to where the poor man cannot make one decision without you coming against it and saying it's wrong. We need to do it this way. It's my way or it's no way. No. Simply just say, this scripture is simply just telling you, submit to the leadership of your husband. Allow him to make the decision to say, hey, I want our family. I could see our family here in five years. All right, babe, let's reach that goal together. That's what we're here for. And Christ is our ultimate example of this. Christ submitted to the authority of God to say, God, I will do what you have asked me to do. I will come to the earth and I will save humanity. If us women, we can't follow the example of Christ, again, we're dying to ourselves because we want not our will, we want his will. And that's exactly what Jesus said. Let your will be done, God. And that's all this scripture is saying is say, yep, I can do that. I will willingly subject myself, come under the leadership of my husband.
0: Amen. Amen. That's well said. And uh, men, so you got to lead. You got to lead. You gotta, we got to be the ones. Basically what that means is being a leader is you are responsible. Uh, Pastor Steve said it really well last week about preaching uh, when he was talking about the, the man, uh, don't forfeit your voice and all of that is we, we are responsible when, when Adam and Eve sinned, God came to the garden, he said, Adam, where are you? He didn't say, Adam and Eve, or Eve, he said, Adam why? Because Adam, you were responsible you should have been there, when Eve brought you that apple, you should have said, woman, hey or dear, what in the world are you about to do? And uh, instead he let, her, he let her do it and literally ate them out of a house and home. I'm on somebody. Right? That's really, but really caused the, the fall of mankind. Adam should have been the one to say no. But listen, listen women, w- men, women can't follow a parked car.
1: That's exactly what I was about to say.
0: You, you, you got to, you got to lead. You got to be the one. Listen, man, you don't have to have all the answers. Just let your kids and let them see you reading the Bible at home. Let, let them see you pray. Let them see you pray. Uh, Just a quick little prayer. You don't got to be all, you know, in in having a revival moment there in the kitchen over some chicken. It's getting cold. We want to eat. I hate you and your prayer. Come on, I'm hungry. I mean, after you're 14, that's how your attitude is, right? But I'm saying, men, you got to lead. When I got saved, uh, she didn't get saved. But you know what? I said, I said, babe, I'm I'm going to church. I'm going to start taking the kids to church. Kids, girls, we go to church on Sunday morning. If you're going to spend a night at somebody's house, you make sure that uh, no, you're not spending a night at somebody's house. If they're going to spend a night with us on a Sunday night, Saturday morning, they're going to come to church with us. Wednesday night, I don't care, it's uh, 4 o'clock, we will get ready to eat dinner and then tell your friend to go home because we got church tonight. That's, what, what am I doing? You're being bossy. I'm being a leader. I'm being responsible because I knew my kids need to be in the house of God for an hour and a half. How are they going to learn the word of God if I'm not giving it to them? How, you know, and I know we, we let Johnny decide, you know, we're going to let Johnny decide where their eternal destination's going to be. I don't mean to be that hard, but I do need to be that hard. God cannot work in his word if his word is not put into the hearts of his kids. I'm just trying to st- stir our dads up. Listen, you're all about fantasy football. You know more about all these other stats, man. What about getting into word, learning your word? You know about fishing. You know about hunting. Do all of those things, too, but you've got one shot at raising your kids in the, in the fear and admonition of the Lord, man. Teach them about God. You don't got to be a preacher. You don't got to be a preacher at all. Just lead them in the house of God. Make them the kind of decisions.
1: And I think one thing that is very, 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 very hard for a woman is to come under that role of submission when her husband is not leading the home the way he should be it is that is one yeah. of the most difficult things to trust your husband and trust the decisions no, that he's making no. when he's not making wise decisions no. and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about trivial things ladies i'm talking about when his lifestyle is out of alignment with what the word of god says men let me charge you if you want peace and harmony in that home and you want to take that leadership role y'all got to act like a leader yeah.
0: And there's a lot we can say there. You might have gotten, gotten saved after you've been married and you're married to a person that's not serving the Lord. The Bible does say that the home is sanctified through the believing wife. Then, you know, woman, wife, you step up into that role as a, as a spiritual leader, and God can use that when it comes to spiritual things, praying over your kids. That's another whole conversation. We don't have time to really get into it. Um, but what I wanted to touch on is... About the communication is First Peter three seven. Husbands treat your wives with understanding, um, as you live together. She may be the weaker weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's uh, life. The King James says that she's the weaker vessel, and he says treat her right, lest your prayers be hindered. That that's that's a very powerful scripture. Um, man, we gotta we gotta I think continue. That
1: the word weaker right there. We can kind of use the word sensitive. Because I think as women, we are more sensitive. When our husband is in a bad mood or he kind of says things a little harsh to us, and I think it, yeah. we are more sensitive than. So to kind of look yeah. at the weaker is more like a sensitive.
0: Absolutely. And um, what he, especially they're equal, their partner in value. I, I, when I teach on this, I use uh, uh, genuine leather, I use this as an example genuine leather and then silk. Um, silk is not as strong as leather, but it is just as expensive, if not more expensive in value. And Peter is saying they're equal in value. They're equal in, in, in partnership and everything else, but they have different roles. And one of them, the woman is a weaker vessel in in that regard. The only other thing I wanted to hit on communication is put boundaries in communication. Um, man, that's another whole conversation. Let me just say this, uh, avoid discussing your marital problems with others especially with those of the opposite sex because you can develop what's called a soul tie or an emotional connection and it will be problematic in your marriage. You do not make a vow with that woman at, the, at your work. You did not make a lifelong, and she looks good three, six hours a day, but listen, you get that person home and you marry with her for a couple of years, by the way, you're gonna be in the same kind of problem that you are having right now. Just need to say that right now. Every marriage has what's, what Gary, uh, Dr. Dobson has always said, 80 in a 20. 80% good, um, bad, 20% good. Every marriage has that. It depends on what you're going to focus on. And when affairs start happening, it's because that individual is looking at the other person's 80% or not the 20%. And there's a, there's a point in that. Your perspective is wrong. If you would treat your wife like a queen, you'll get a queen. If you would treat your husband like a king, you'll get a king. That's basically what it is. And I know it's not easy. It's a struggle there, but put them boundaries there. Lastly, upgrade your battle plan. We're out of time, but I want to at least give you this. Um, Okay, let me
1: give you two points real quick on the communication, though. Always address conflict. Always have conflict come to a resolution. Do not carry an argument over and over and over into the next argument. Don't just stop talking about it. You solve whatever brought the conflict on, because if not, it'll just be added to the next argument. And number two, women, do not use physical affection against your husband. Do not withhold because you're mad at him. And so this is kind of what? your what? Just gonna throw that
0: take Have You towards, got a scripture sorry. for that, Miss Melinda? Yes. Actually you do. First Corin. I'm gonna give some of you men a favorite chapter of the Bible. First Corinthians chapter seven. It says, You do not own your own body, but your body is for your spouse. Therefore do not withhold yourself. Come on, somebody hear that music playing. That's what it says. And it actually says, don't withhold one another sexually, lest the devil tempt you because of your lack of control. Amen. But come together. Let's get it on. That's Bible. That's Bible. That's Bible. Some of y'all found your best scripture right there. But listen, upgrade your battle plan or the way to fight. Because a spirit-filled marriage doesn't mean it's a problem-free marriage. Amen. Spirit-filled marriage don't mean it's a problem-free marriage. You got Christ in your life, it still means you're going to have problems because that's the way it is. And we used to fight in the old way, no boundaries. No My, boundaries. The, the name of the game is to hurt you and to get you even, and we would say anything, we yep. would just go at it. Yep. We had some time, I'll tell you about it, We would go at it, I and mean, it would, man, and it would last for days. Months. Forever. And we, we would just learn how to function. And for the sake of the kids, but inside, I was hoping that, man, she'd get hit by a bus or something. I mean, I don't know. And she was hoping she would be driving that bus and run me over. I mean, <laughs> and a lot of it was my priorities was out of line. My boys was my priority. My party life was my, my job, my money. But I got to make money. I would pick a fight with her so she would kick me out of the house. And I would tell my boys, just wait, give me an hour. I'd come in the house. I would start to fight. And my boys would be right down the corner. <laughs> One of them sitting right in church with me right now. <laughs> but he's serving God too. So hey, we're, we we talk about this stuff now because God has brought us such a long way. Amen. And uh amen. We've been there and done that. I'm telling you. We think because you know, I'm a pastor, we didn't we did all this, people, and it didn't work. And that's why we're sitting here today because we found something that does work, and that's the Holy Spirit. Uh your battle plan, the only thing I could there's a lot of stuff I wanted to say here is conflict. Uh, it can be a good thing. It can be a good thing. It can be a place and an opportunity to bury some issues that have been there that didn't come up in your dating. But now the way you don't fold laundry or the way you work so much, and let me just say this, opposites can attract. I say this a lot in Absolutely. counseling. Opposites do attract, but opposites can attack. Absolutely. I used to love because she's so quiet. Oh, I was attracted because she's so quiet. Now I can't get her to speak. I like I feel like I'm living by myself, and it's always causing fights. Or, man, she was just so bubbly and so chattery, and, man, she was the life of the party, and I'm attracted to it, but now I'm married, and she never shuts up. Or you always got something to say. You hear what I'm saying? I'm seriously. This, and so what has happened is you got to learn to adjust with those and remember the reason the reason why you married the reason why you stay married has to be greater than the stress that's on your marriage the reason why you're married has to be greater than the stress that's on your marriage and what happens is couples don't intentionally fight for the good they just start shutting down and that stress on the marriage begins to become greater and the way you don't even know why you married them you hear him say that i don't even know why i married him i must have been dumb no, no, you weren't dumb. You just haven't nurtured that thing anymore, and it's gone. That's so true. Are it, the enemies, did you want to say something?
1: I'm just going to say it, it's important that you learn how to fight. And I was a very reactive person. I, I reacted. Anger was my very first thing. I would get mad. I would start screaming, no. hollering, throwing stuff. You name it, that's just how it happened. And we had to learn how to fight. And let me just encourage you. Anger is a secondary emotion. You're reacting because in anger because you're either disappointed, your heart is broke, you're frustrated, so it's coming out as anger. If we would get to the root of Mm. what are you truly angry about? Mm. Are you disappointed? Did I break your heart? Did I do whatever? Get to the bottom. And you know if you say anger, anger comes out so harsh. See how your demeanor, a, a, with anger, your demeanor is completely different. But when you say disappointment, that just took me back a, a step. I'm not in your face with disappointment. Man. I'm not in your face with, man, my heart is broke. I'm, I'm coming back. I'm, I'm sta- stepping back a little bit. So start to look at, instead of reacting in the anger, start looking at what is making you, you angry.
0: Yeah, so good. See, that's why she got her degree in this stuff. You know what I'm saying? It goes really... Yeah, I tell you, it really goes deeper than that. Anger is not the problem. I love that. It's a secondary emotion. Um, it's the tone and the words we use, yeah. isn't it, that starts these fights? Well, you say, well, Pastor Ray, that's a lot of work, man. I got to put in a lot of Listen, is your marriage worth it? Absolutely. I-, I encourage you to go on marriage retreats. I encourage you to go get marriage counseling. And I hear this, I can't get a babysitter. Or I just don't have time. You take time off and get a babysitter to do just about anything else. And what you're saying is your marriage is not that important. Yeah. If your marriage is in priorities, if that marriage is that important, as you made that vow, as you did all that work, listen, it's worth you getting a babysitter, seeking out some counseling, rearranging whatever you got to do because your marriage and the future of your children and great children can rise on that decision that you're making to sit down with somebody and get some help. Come on, somebody. Just want to help you on that. Amen. So, um, just want to say this the the enemy, his strategy hasn't changed it hasn't changed because it always works divide and conquer god's strategy is unite and conquer so when you're when you're fighting one thing you got to learn to do because i'm not i'm not going to say you don't fight you're going we don't fight but you can hear us disagreeing all the way down the street Someone wants to, I mean, it's going to happen. You're going to disagree. And you got to learn to set some boundaries in what you say and how you say. I said, That's man, right. I wish I could had more time to really go on that. But you got to, we, have, we had to learn to resolve conflict instead of letting that fight go on for days and days and days. You all know this scripture. What did Paul say? In Ephesians, right here in Ephesians, he said, do not be, be angry, but sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Look at the very next sentence. Everyone forgets to say that. Nor let the devil have a place. Do you see that? We quote the first part of that scripture. Don't, don't go let the sun go down on your anger. But he's saying because you're opening up a door to the enemy. And you're opening up a door into your marriage. And that thing starts sitting there and you don't learn to resolve it. You end up just, you know, letting it simmer and turn to bitterness. And then you get all in kind of a different way. That's, you got any more? Yes,
1: yeah, just really quick. I, an, another thing I was thinking about is when we um, respond and we're arguing and it's anger and, and we're yelling, did you know that your brain can't even come up with the words that you want to express yourself in that moment? It comes up with all sorts of other things. If you ever notice this, when you're, you're mad and you're fighting and you're yelling at each other, you'll start bringing up random things. That happened 50 years ago and you're like, why? Why is this? That's your Your brain cannot communicate. All it's trying to do in that moment is position itself for dominance. And that is another reason why we cannot respond in anger when we're trying to get our point across and we're trying to understand each other and we're trying to fight right. Because there is a good way to fight. There's a, and I, when we think of fight, we think of fight, like, okay, the screaming and hollering. But there's a good way to have an argument, a disagreement. You can do that. Again, your brain cannot communicate what you're wanting to communicate in that moment. All it's communicating is gibberish. And you're trying to take dominance in that argument. So, again... Get to the root of the secondary emotion.
0: You ever hear Jesus say, uh, do not call your brother Raka, mm-hmm. or you'll be in danger of hellfire. Yeah. You ever hear him say that in the Sermon on the Mountain? And we kind of skip over that. We don't even know what Raka means. It actually means empty-headed fool. Mm. Jesus is saying what she just said. When you get to the place and you're speaking out of raw emotion, Galatians calls it an outburst of wrath. Yep. You're not making any sense. You're 100% in the flesh. You're so mad. You're not coming out of your heart. It's coming out of your head. And man, we say some poisonous, toxic, dangerous. We know things how to hurt our at that level. That's what Jesus said. Don't do that, cause you're in danger of hellfire. In other words, you're in danger of destro- what does fire do when it's out of order? It just destroys, and you're going to destroy uh, what you are supposed to be building up. So many. We're all human. I understand it. Go for a drive, man, men. Go for a drive. Go yell at a tree. Go throw a rock, not at your neighbor's house, but I mean, just go and let off some steam, go tell God about it. That's even better. God, why did you bring that woman into my life? And he'll say, she's praying the same thing. <laughs> Never laugh at your wife's decisions because you're one of them. Come on, somebody. Amen. But uh, I wanted to end with this one thing. you got Even when you don't see eye to eye, you got to learn to still walk hand in hand. That is something that has taken me years because she owes me an apology. She, she, she owes me. She, she's the one that started the fight. It was all her. I made up last time. Then this scripture comes Eddie, love your wife as I love the church. I didn't wait for you before I died. I came and died while you were yet sinners. I died for the young God. You see how powerful that scripture is, guys? It'll mess you up. And so we got to be the ones intentional. And it's hard, it's not easy. But it's the best thing that we can ever do when you finally do it. If you're going to fight hard, make up hard. Amen. Make up good. I'm just, I'm just being real. And just go all out, be honest. And that's, a, and that's what I mean by saying conflict can be a good thing because it makes you be vulnerable. But if you start blaming things, listen, you can't make excuses and progress at the same time. Your marriage, you're not going to make progress if you keep making excuses. Yeah, well, I act this way because of you. I do this because you did that. All you're doing is you're going right back into the fight. You're not resolving anything. One of you has got to say, man, I was wrong. And you know what, it's on me. Even, even if you didn't start the fight, man, we got to be the one to say, you know what, I don't know exactly what went wrong. Teach, show me how it went wrong. I've had to say it to her. What did I say that made it so mad, that made you so and mad? It's
1: usually not what he said, it's how I heard it.
0: And it's always something I did not even, did not even mean it that way or it, it did not even happen that way. But if we just bury it and move forward, that thing will fester and it will come out. It will come out wrong, but it will come out at that next fight and, man, it's not, it's not pretty. So the upgrade helps us with all of these. Get these priorities in line. Help us to be better in our communication. And help us to to fight better and and to resolve conflict.
1: And I know for a woman it is, we do want a a close, intimate relationship with our husbands. We want our husbands to tell us things. We want to know how they're feeling. I know men don't like to talk about their feelings. But you got to think like... If you want your man to come to you and to talk to you about these things, it has to be a place that he feels comfortable to be able to to share these things. I can honestly say my husband is my best friend. I mean, we've been in this for 32 years, something along those lines. He's going to hear about anything that's going on in me. Um, emotionally he's going to hear if I'm, I'm frustrated with something, if I'm discouraged with something. He is truly my best friend. And that if you want that place for your husband to get to that deep place w- with you, you've got to allow him to be vulnerable, w- vulnerable with you without the judgment or the getting mad. Maybe he tells you something you don't like. What, yeah. What's going to be your response? A, you know, if it's a negative response, he'll never come to you again to share something with you. Amen. And
0: and, and I'm telling you, as I said before, if you go 29 years ago, guy, our marriage was not a good place. I come home so many times, my my stuff would be packed, sometimes thrown out in the backyard. Uh, I come home the next day, it just would be like that. We were just just at it. It I took him
1: to you. One time I found out where he was at, so I took the suitcases to him. So he didn't even have to bother coming in the driveway.
0: You know, my, you know, I just thought, well, she'll cool off. You know, deep down I would say, I'm going to get her back. You know, i win her back and this and that. And, and, man, it just, what it kept doing is it kept just damaging our future. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how that kind of uh, repeating that just does so much damage. And I almost lost her. And I knew when the last time it was all in the middle of that, God was working on me to surrender my whole life priorities and make him first and when I finally did that man he just began to clean me up and man I tell you what it is the best thing ever amen. and uh so we just want to end with that we're giving you some hope and I'm telling you our marriage is not perfect uh, but we are striving for it we are letting God you know change our life and the upgrade will do it amen amen uh can we all just stand right now let's just close out with a time of prayer I know it's getting a little late but uh this is so important, and I want to I pray right now over, over our married couples. Just right there in your seat, if you're standing next to your spouse, will not you just join hands right now. And if you're single, I'm going to pray for you here in just a moment. But Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. You have started with a marriage, God, before there was a church. You started with a home. And, Father, we all in this room, if we've been married for any amount of time, we've all done things we shouldn't have done, said things we shouldn't have said. We've opened the door and sometimes propped that door open for the enemy. And he's done a lot of damage to a lot of homes right now. But, Father, we are declaring right now, and we are saying it's going to stop right now. Father, thank you that I watched this this service. Thank you that I'm here today. And God, we are going to watch you do something in, in a mighty way of healing and restoring in marriages and in relationships father from this day forward i pray over every married couple whether, yes. whether they've been newlyweds they are newlyweds or they've been married for a, a years and years and years father that god you would just bind us together yes. closer than we've ever been help us god to continue to go on the deeper levels yes and represent you and the church to our family and our friends and our people In our circle of influence. I pray for the men, God. Help our men to be the husbands, the house bands, the leaders that you've called us to be. The ones that are responsible to lead our families in the way they should go. To be an example to our daughters of how a man is to be to our daughters, to a woman. Hallelujah. To cherish our wives. Help us, Lord. Even our backgrounds, might we might not have had a good example or role model when we struggle in that. We don't know how. Father, we don't know how to do any of these things. But your Holy Spirit, the upgrade we've been preaching about, gives us that ability. Yes. Gives us ideas. Yes. And when we pray and when we seek you, shows us how to do it. Father, I pray that you do that to every man in this place today. Help us, Jesus.
1: Father, I speak unity to these marriages. I speak unity, oh God, Father, that they would grow in you, Father as each one, the husband and the wife, Father, grow closer and closer to you, Father, that they would be united as a front, oh God. Father, I'm asking that in Jesus' name. Father, I know there are some powerful couples in the house today, and I know you want to do great things through their life, and I know the enemy has come in, and he's tried to divide and distract, but I speak against him right now in Jesus' name. I call all of his plans null and and void. These couples will unite together father and they will do what you have called them to do they will no longer be distracted by the foolish things oh god but father they will put before them the plan that you have for them when you brought them together in the beginning and i thank you oh god i plead the blood of jesus right now and father i pray for every single person in the house god i know i know you have an awesome person for them And, Father, I pray that you would begin to make them who they are to be, to make them the spouse that you have called them to be, Father. And I thank you for all that you're doing, all that you're doing.
0: Father, I pray for the the blended families, the ones that's been through the tragic divorce, the tragedy, God, that you said you even hate divorce because it covers the garments with violence and it does so many bad things, Father. And there's some in this room that have been victim of it. It went through it, Lord. And they're looking to pick up the pieces. They're looking to start over. And some have been been able to start over, Father. And they have families and children, God, that are not their biological children, but, God, they want to be, Lord, what you've called them to be. And they're they're asking, how do I do that, Father? I pray for them today, the men and the women in the homes, Father, that, God, you would unite them together as one father yes, that you would speak to yes. them you would give them or vision direction understanding father that they will apply your word in the yes. areas where they need it father Hallelujah. they'll get rid of the shame the guilt the pain the hurt father from the past relationships and they will bury that in the blood of, of your son Jesus Hallelujah. and they would move forward in the power of your spirit with hope father and with confidence lord knowing that god they are walking in your favor and Hallelujah. i pray god for a special grace to be given to them homes father because it is a unique and special situation with moms and their children and dads and their children father trying to blend together god it takes a special a grace there father for that to happen and i pray for them as well lord that Thank it will you. be done Thank you, lord. and we pray this lord to- together in jesus name amen and amen give god some praise today well amen and amen